This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, family of believers. Um, thank you for tuning into this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. We were created to be in a relationship with God, to love Him, to serve Him. But also, we were created for fellowship. We need people. We were created to work. God gave us a job to do. Uh, so we were not created for isolation. And uh, we're, that's why many of us are struggling during this uh, bizarre season in life. So let's lift up this hour to the Lord. We're going to be talking about, from a biblical worldview, uh, the science of viruses and how they they spread, where they come from. Did God create them? That's the topic today. Father, thank you for giving us this chance to talk about things and, and hopefully learn from your word and, and get that eternal perspective refreshed. And also, Lord, just understand that you are sovereign over all things. We trust you. We thank you for giving us the truth. And we ask, Lord, that regardless of where each one of us is at in our lives, and I don't mean location, I mean spiritually and in our families and whether we're working or not, Lord, we know that your purpose for us has not changed. Your mission, our mission, has not changed. Help us, Lord, to be about your business and help us to continue to, to love, to share the truth of God's word, to point people to Jesus, the only hope in these uncertain times, and uh, just give us grace, Lord. And we ask you, as we always do, for wisdom. Help us to understand the times. And we lift this day up to you. All we have is one day at a time, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, as you, if you've been listening for any length of time here to this program or paying any attention to the news, what's going on, uh, life on earth has taken a turn no one saw coming, really, um, except for God, we went from living life in freedom and enjoying life and flying high to what in the world just happened. So just like that, an unknown virus comes in out of nowhere or from China or from somewhere and everything changes. Now, one thing is true. We are not in control. Today, we're taking a rational look at the coronavirus pandemic, the science of course, from a biblical worldview, we're going to discuss what our response should continue to be and where we go from here. Today's guest, Jay Siegert, author and international speaker. He holds degrees in both physics and engineering technology and is the managing director of the Starting Point Project. Jay, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. It's always great to be on the show. How are you guys today? Uh, we're doing well, blessed, uh, keeping it all in perspective, at least trying to, right? Um, I was on my way to work today. I got uh, delayed about 10 minutes by um, these massive trucks trying to get around roundabouts. And, of course, there were many trucks behind them with lights flashing saying oversized load. Uh, so they're trying to maneuver these big roundabouts. So construction crews are out there working. Um, a lot of businesses are still operating. Uh, Walmart, Target, Costco, Home Depot, they're all busy. Um, unfortunately, abortion uh, corporations and abortion businesses are all busy. Um, but one of the frustrating things, Jay, is um, churches. Churches are non-essential. 
I didn't realize that after reading God's word. I didn't realize that churches were non-essential and God was not essential for life. Um, and, you know, I'm being yeah, anyway. Sorry, I had to get that out of my system before we talk about viruses. Jay, um, so these construction workers this morning, they weren't wearing a mask, masks. Um, a lot of stores I've been going to, which are busy as usual, the, so far they're not wearing masks. Now, I know some companies are passing these guidelines, wear a mask. Um, I just heard a report on the radio this morning that tears can spread the coronavirus. So, Jay, before we get into the body of what we're going to talk about today, how how do viruses spread? I know it's probably different for each particular virus. Can you help us understand that? Well, it's they're generally spreading through physical contact of some sort, either direct human contact or indirect, where a human passed on a virus to uh, an object and someone else touched touch the object. It usually has to do with fluids and liquids and things like that. So generally, if you're not touching someone or something else, you're not going to get the virus. And even if you did happen to come in contact with someone who had the virus, uh, you don't necessarily get it. If you largely avoid touching your eyes, your ears, or your mouth, you're probably not going to get infected by it. And But we do that very often. You you don't realize, you know, if you put one of those masks on, that's when you notice how often you're touching your face. Right. You, know, you just kind of want to touch it all the time. And so I'm a little bit more paranoid as I'm out and about just realizing how much I want to reach up and scratch my ear or touch my mouth or something like that. We, we do it all the time. And that's typically how the infection is being passed. So I, I remember hearing an interview with one doctor saying if we could just avoid touching, those those are huge entry areas with our eyes, our nose, our mouth, mm. and our inner ears. If we could avoid touching those things, that would really cut way, way, way down in the transmission of the virus. It doesn't make the virus go away. It just keeps us from being infected by it. And so that's a good, safe practice. It makes a lot of sense, but most people don't understand that, so they just think, well, if I put a mask on, that'll take care of everything. Right. So touching. You mentioned touch a lot. Um, surfaces. How long does a typical virus, and I, I know it, I'm assuming maybe it's different for depending on the type of virus, how long would that stay on a surface? Say you touch a doorknob or a desk or a computer or your iPhone. Um, or someone else touches it. How long, if if they have this particular virus, how long does it stay on a surface? It, I've heard all different numbers, which is that's one of the frustrating things with not just this topic, but so many topics where we have to rely on the scientific community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear something and you think, okay, now I know. No, you don't know. You just have heard what they're telling you, and they may be 100% sincere, but they may be 100% wrong. They may be twisting numbers. We'll get into that, how you can make numbers say just about anything that you want. Mm-hmm. And so um, some of this is a little bit more straightforward science because there's not really necessarily an agenda behind that, but it depends on temperatures, the type of the surface, but... I think it's outside. I heard it can only last for a few minutes, and the hotter it gets, the less time it's going to last. So you don't have to worry about, well, someone touched this doorknob two days ago. Uh, <laughs> that's not really going to be an issue. So, okay. again, if we're if we're careful with what we touch and touching our faces and washing our hands a little bit more often, you know, then you hear also things about the antibacterial gels and all that. And 
they can do some good killing some, you know, bacteria, but you're also killing good bacteria at the same time, which isn't good because we need those good bacteria. And uh, we haven't even gotten into where the viruses come from to begin with. Right. But, uh, so they're, you know, listen to different inputs. And I'm not here. I'm not Dr. Oz. I'm probably more like the Wizard of Oz hiding behind a curtain. Um, <laughs> but um, I am, I'm not here to, to finally clear this all up for everyone and give them the definitive answer on every single question they'd ever have. I primarily with the show want to cover some of these scientific things, but then move into what our response has been you know, as individuals, as states, as the country, is it appropriate? Is it not? And then, you know, we'll get also to what should our response be as Christians? What can we be doing during these times when it's really screaming loud and clear? We are not in control. Absolutely. We can't really change this. So what do we do uh, in consideration of that? Okay. One more question. And I know I don't, I'm not putting you up as a scientific expert and a doctor of germology, uh, but <laughs> why six feet apart? Why not three feet? Why not 10 feet? If so much of the emphasis on spreading this thing is caused by touch, contact with people, why the distance, physical distance of six feet? Yep. People question that, too. There's nothing magical about six feet. A six-foot distance, you're a lot less likely to touch someone. If you're three feet away, you might reach out and grab their shoulder, shake their hand. I mean, when this first came up... I remember people come up to me and the, the first thing that happens is their hand goes out, your hand goes out and you shake their hand and all of a sudden like, oh, we're not supposed to do that. This is so hard. <laughs> well, six feet makes it impossible in a sense, uh, just about impossible unless you got really long arms to, you know, to go out of your way to try to shake their hand. So it's probably not going to happen that way. So that's one of the reasons six feet. Plus if, as someone's talking and some mist might be coming from their mouths or whatever, it's less likely to get on you if you're six feet away. So, it's again, there's nothing magical about six feet. It's just kind of a helpful idea. Twelve feet would be even better, but not realistic. And But it's not like if you're only two and a half feet away, now you're going to get the virus. Okay, Jay, one more question before we get into where viruses come from. Um, in the Old Testament, the uh, children of Israel, uh, when someone had a disease, they were quarantined. Um, there are practices that we can learn from. It's amazing that the wisdom we found in Scripture, right, <laughs> that <laughs> science is just now catching up to, I guess. But um, aren't there a lot of practices? Didn't God know all about this and gave instructions to the children of Israel on how to handle sicknesses, diseases, and things like that? Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot in the Bible. A lot of those passages seem strange to people. They're thinking, you know, why... Why follow all these strange rules? Well, you got to put it in context and realize that mm -hmm. the uh, Hebrew people who were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, they get released from Egypt. Moses takes them across the Red Sea. Now they're out in the wilderness, and they end up being there 40 years because of their, their sin and rebellion. So they're wandering around. They're basically nomadic people camping out for 40 years. So they don't have all the things they might need later to protect themselves from some of these diseases they might get. And so God's giving them this advice, and Moses is kind of saying, hey, pay attention to what God is telling us about all this, and we won't get the diseases that we are seeing in the nations around us. You know, they're kind of wiping them out. And so he gives a lot of practical advice for what they can eat and what they can't eat. And uh, today we know about salmonella can be really bad with food poisoning and all that. Well, God talks about that very specifically, of specific types of animals they can't eat. And then it even says... Even if one of these animals 
falls into one of your clay pots, don't just dump the animal out and rinse it out and keep going. No, you got to break that pot, shatter it so no one would be tempted to use it again because of the disease can get transmitted to the pot itself and get into your food. And so God knew what he was talking about back then. And today we see, wow, that that's really wise advice when you don't have other medical things that we have today and better ways of cooking foods, which you know, even at the time they didn't have um, and antibiotics and things like that that we have. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's not just their willy nilly or some, you know, strange goat herder making all this up. These, these are the inspired words of God that God gave to, you know, Moses to tell his people to protect them as his people as God's developing them as a nation. And what's interesting to many of us who have studied God's word, um, you don't isolate or quarantine a healthy people. Um, a healthy body of people or a population, you isolate those who are sick. But anyway, which is really, some of us are just really still scratching our heads over some, not all. We understand some of the cautions and some of the precautions, I, I should say, we need to be taking during this uh, COVID-19 um, uh, crisis. But anyway, Jay, let's get, get into the meat of this. Um, where do viruses come from? If God is sovereign... We have to believe that he created them somehow, don't we? Or is that wrong? Well, it's a great question, and it's very logical to think, okay, the Christian narrative is that God created everything to begin with and it was perfect. And here we are today, and we have these viruses that are wreaking havoc on us. So did God create those viruses? And if he did, why would he create something like a virus? Uh, and if he didn't... How is it that something got into his creation without his creating it? <laughs> so it's, it is an interesting question to think through. And I think it's very important for Christians to think through it and have a, not only a scientific answer, but a biblically based answer so that they can convey that to others around them to say, Hey, I can explain this very easily. This makes a lot of sense. And it really goes back to the fact that a human uh, adult has close to a hundred trillion with a T, 100 trillion cells in their body. We wow. actually have more bacteria than we have cells. Now, a lot of that bacteria is very good. It's necessary breaking down your food and doing things like that. Some of the bacteria is bad. Uh, we know about those too, create antibiotics. Um, but we actually have more viruses than we have bacteria. And a lot of the viruses are actually good. They help regulate what type of bacteria our, our bodies create. So it has a good purpose. God created it uh, for a purpose, and it was a good thing. But you have to go back to the fall, Adam and Eve. Basically, God says, this is who I am. This is who you are. I created you to have fellowship with me. <laughs> this is what I'd like, but I'm going to allow you to choose differently. And they, for some reason, thought they had a better idea and said, no, thanks. We're we're going to do it our way, and that changed everything. That brought death and a curse into God's perfect creation. So things were very different at that time, and won't get into the, the details, but a lot of the uh, defense mechanisms we see in animals today with spider poisons and snake poisons and all that, we think, why, why would God create snakes that you know could bite you and you die? Well, <laughs> it wasn't that way originally. There's, there's actually evidence that these poisons can have a, a positive medicinal purpose, and they're even using them for to experiment with some cures today at mm. a certain level, the poisons can be very good. Well, God created it with a good purpose. 
But he also knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. And so he made it in such a way that later after sin, those things could actually be used for def- as a defense mechanism for these animals. And we also know that with the corruption that came into the creation, things started going downhill. So now, instead of animals and people reproducing and everything is just fine, when they reproduce, reproduction mistakes happen, copying errors happen in their DNA. Those are mutations. And so instead of copying all the instructions perfectly, we do some copying errors and oops, oops, oops. And those accumulate over time. And some of those have led to uh, viruses that had been good to now being bad and they continue to mutate. So that's why sometimes when you come up with a solution, it doesn't last forever because then there's a new mutant bacteria or a new mutant virus out there that we need to figure out how to fight. Mm. So many things to, to keep in mind when we talk about this and, and go to the root of this, meaning uh, viruses and, and God's sovereignty, um, things did change. And there were, and for example, you've talked about this on this program before as well, that people once lived a lot longer, hundreds of years. And then through the centuries, now the average age is, uh, what, 80, 75? So that has also influenced, I mean, the sin in the earth has not only influenced viruses and how we respond to those, but the, uh, our length of days as well. Yeah, it's, we are not, you know, again, our educational system in this country with public schools, state universities, they basically teach us that we are, we have evolved and we are continuing to evolve and we're getting better because you went from a single celled organism all the way up to a human being, which is a lot more advanced, a lot more complex. Um, that's the idea of evolution. But when you look at real biology, we see a very, very different story. <laughs> we're headed downhill. That's called genetic entropy. Entropy is means disorder. And we are seeing more and more disorder in our genes. Uh, one secular scientist said we're basically degenerate Neanderthals. We, the Neanderthals appeared, apparently were more genetically advanced and healthier than we are today. Every time we reproduce, we're adding probably another hundred or more mistakes in our DNA. Wow. And it cannot be stopped. So in fact, some scientists wonder how how much longer do humans have? Because you can only make so many mistakes in your instructions before your body doesn't boot up anymore like a computer. Uh, we are go. We got we got time left, but we are definitely going downhill and not up. And of course, uh, people say, "Well, wait a minute. If we're things are getting worse, how come people are living longer today?" Well, that's the advances in medicine and the modern technologies and the things we have today to treat diseases. That not that's not necessarily that we were physically able to. It's like, okay, we, they found something to prolong someone's life. That doesn't mean quality of life necessarily either. We've got to take a break. A whole lot more coming up with Jay Siegert on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So, did God create viruses? And how are they spreading? What's going on? We've got a special guest today, Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project. So, Jay, you did mention, I just want to clarify something, or I actually, I don't know. You can tell us uh, the human body has viruses. We have bacteria. Some are good. Some are not good. Uh, can you clarify and expound on that a little bit to give us a better understanding? Sure. Bacteria are actually technically considered alive. They can reproduce themselves and they process food in a sense, and they're using 
many different ways, including digesting food in your stomach. And most of the bacteria we have are, are really good. Some have gone rogue and um, become bad. And if they're bad enough, you have to go to the doctor and then they'll give you an antibiotic to help fight this bad bacteria. And I won't go down that path too far of how uh, antibiotics work. But, um, but anyway, bacteria, that's kind of their cycle. They're alive. They can reproduce themselves. Viruses are technically, they're not alive. They cannot reproduce themselves. So what they need to do is they need to be able to attach themselves to a cell and then kind of trick the cell to bringing it inside. Uh, and then it hijacks the replication machinery of the cell. So the cell end up making duplicates of the virus because the virus can't do it itself. Now, this is not something the virus is thinking, hey, I need to do this. It's, it was never, it's not like it didn't have the ability and you thought, boy, I could really benefit from having the ability. What can I do to change that? It's <laughs> not how it works at all. They can't reason, right? Viruses can't reason. <laughs> they can't. But a lot of times when you're reading something about evolution, it'll say, oh, the, the fish needed to evolve lungs to go up onto land to find new sources of food. Oh, and, my goodness. Um, yeah. No, I mean, leading evolutionists don't even believe that, but that's how it comes across in the popular literature that there's some intent there and desire and, and effort but with the viruses, you know, they're not alive, but um, there's special connectors they have. There's an S protein that allows them. And I guess I won't go into too much detail here, but a lot of the viruses are within animals and they don't affect us. We don't get sick by them. And the reason we don't get sick is those viruses do not have the mechanisms to attach to our cells for our cells to pull them in. Hmm. So they can't get replicated. They don't affect us at all. What happens is when you have a trans-species virus, a virus that can go from one species to another, in this case from an animal to a human being, and that's what's happened with COVID-19, is the COVID-19 has this S protein that's just the right kind for our cells to grab onto, and then it gets encoded and brought into the cell, and then an enzyme dissolves that coating, and then it's now it's inside the cell and it gets replicated over and over, which is a bad thing at that point. Um, and there's, I don't know if we'll get into it maybe later, but um, there's some evidence where it looks like that was not an accident, that, that a mutation wouldn't just coincidentally happen to have formed that and one other part that it has for it to come into our cells. It almost looks like someone took a regular COVID, a coronavirus and manipulated, engineered it so that it could affect human beings. They've been doing research on that for years. We know that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there's some other details with some laboratories where it looks like that's uh, an option. I'm not going down a conspiracy theory right, path right. here. Just saying from what we know, that that is an option that it really didn't start in a bat. Uh, in fact, the first case was not connected with a bat at all or that that what they call that wet market, that seafood market yeah. had nothing to do with that. And we might get into some of that too, but so that's how viruses work. They're not alive. They have to hijack the mechanics of a, a living cell to replicate themselves. So I want to clarify something you said earlier that, um, and you have an article on this too. Did God create viruses? Every generation has 100 more mistakes in their DNA than the previous generations supporting the fact that we are not evolving we are devolving and what one thing that that i just is a head scratcher to me that uh, viruses are mostly good and uh, we have more viruses than bacteria 
Yeah, we we don't talk about it a lot. You just think of the cells in your body, and then, and even when people think of bacteria, they instantly think, oh, bad. You know, bacteria are bad. You know, right. you got to wipe your counters down, because well, we focus on those. That if we didn't have bacteria, we wouldn't be alive today. It's a it's an essential part of our bodies. But again, some are bad, and those are the ones that we have to take care of. And it's the same thing with viruses. They have a created, designed function, but some of them over time have become bad, and we're dealing with them now. So, Jay, I know um, we did want to get make sure we get the gospel here inserted in where it, it really should be at any point in this conversation about creation and about our purpose, the purpose of human beings. And if God did not create it but allowed viruses, something like a COVID-19, um, how do you answer someone who would say, well, that doesn't sound like a loving God who would uh, let people, you know, get sick and and potentially die how do you respond to that well it's again i first would acknowledge to that person that's a great question and i usually tell them you know you're you're really thinking deeply about this and sometimes i'll say you know what i think i think you think more deeply than a lot of christians that i know and it kind of builds them up instead of you know attacking them right away saying well why would you even ask that so i just say you know what that is a great question and that really deserves a, a great answer and so then I take him back. I said, here's here's a perspective of the biblical narrative that um, what you're saying is, why would God allow this bad thing to happen? Why would God allow people to make decisions that are going to maybe hurt someone else or hurt themselves or whatever? And that's a good question. But the only other alternative is to have a God who would control everyone's decisions and not allow them to do anything that would ever be bad and then you have to ask, well, what does bad mean? Who gets to define bad? If this is God's creation, he created it, he's the only one who can really judge what's good and what's bad. So the person bringing up this question really would not want to live in a world where God controlled their lives and forced them mm -hmm. to go to church every Sunday because it would be bad not to go to church. So he's going to force that person to go to church and force them, force them to give their money to the church and force them to read their Bible every day and to do all these things. And, oh, you can't do that. That's not fair. It's like, well, on one hand, you want them to step in and channel the actions of people in a certain direction. On the other hand, you get to decide which direction they go. Well, who are you to decide? And it gets into a whole can of worms. So I just I bring all those things up to get them to understand they don't have a basis for judging what's right and wrong unless there's an ultimate source against which everything is measured. Mm -hmm. And that's what God's word is. And it only makes sense in a biblical narrative. So it's a good question. Mm -hmm. But and there's more that we could say about that, but that's the path we should go down when someone brings up a question like that. So one more point about when uh, when we're born, when a baby is born, uh, a baby has antibodies. And our our physical bodies are often able to develop antibodies to fight rogue viruses. And as you mentioned in your article at the Starting Point Project, um, you say, well, well, this coronavirus is not something that we were uh, ready for it. Can you go a little bit deeper and ex explain that and how how we develop antibodies? And because and, well, here's what I'm getting to, Jay. We're isolating and we're social distancing and we're shutting down everything. And I'm thinking, don't we have to be around people to get these this virus to develop an antibody? Am I thinking straight on this or can you help me out? No, pretty much. Yeah, what happens is to take an individual woman 
She doesn't have a child yet, but she's living her life. She's being exposed to different germs and bacteria and viruses, and her body has a natural ability to a certain extent to develop a uh, an immune system towards those things. So they come in, our cells have little tags on them where they recognize each other, and then now something foreign comes in and says, hey, this isn't us kill it. You know, white blood cells come out to attack it. It's part of our immune system. And we have a pretty robust immune system. Otherwise, we wouldn't be alive today. But sometimes something can come in that our system isn't really the best equipped for, and it struggles with it more. And that's why sometimes we maybe need some medication. But so you have this woman, doesn't have any children yet. Her body, she's had a life. She's built up an immune system. It's working fairly well. Now she has a baby. She passes on uh, some of that um, immunity to the baby right away, but she passes more antibodies to the baby through um, through the placenta, but the, also through breastfeeding. So when the baby is developing now, now it's the baby's out in the world itself. It's getting more antibodies from its own mother through feeding. It's a natural way. Um, so the baby will have a very similar immune system to the mother, but again, the baby may experience something new that it wasn't ready for, and it might be able to develop a a good resistance to it, or it might not, and then it would get sick. So when we seclude ourselves too much from all possible germs or whatever, if it was possible, it doesn't give our bodies a chance to develop the immunity that it needs. So I think we're really doing ourselves a disservice Mm -hmm. to be sequestering ourselves to the extent that we are. Initially, I think we needed to to be kind of extreme because we didn't know what was going on. Right. We have a much better idea now, and now I think we're doing more damage because when people finally do get out, they will be exposed to it. It's Eventually. not going away, yeah. and there's going to be a spike in how many people get this. And unfortunately, the government will probably use it and say, oh, we went we told too fast, you. now we're going to have to back it up again. Yeah. Well, it's going to kind of happen somewhat on purpose when they do it that way. Rather than letting people live their lives, if they took a one hundredth of the money that they've spent so far and and stimuluses and all that and spent a hundredth of that on the people who are at risk, which is 0.1 to 0.2% of the population, sequester them, help them out with that money and let the rest of us live our lives, the virus would have come through. A lot of people have it and don't even show any symptoms. I, I didn't get into it. I think I had it, you know, a month and a half ago. Not to the extreme that a lot of people do, but I, a number of things happen, and I look back and like that must have been COVID, and then I was fine. It happened for a few days and and went on with my life. So, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by the way that we are responding to it because of how these viruses work. I agree, Jay. And my my follow up question to that is: Don't the leading scientists and doctors and medical experts? know that know what you just explained they do and here's this is why the pause (laughs) the pause a pregnant pause um i am going to give you my opinion i am not officially representing q90 at this point or even (laughs) even officially representing my own ministry which is mine i'm just you can represent stand up for the truth that you can represent that okay um i i think this in, this in general is how it can happen. I'm not saying I know. I have no special knowledge that no one else knows, but I have a brain. And if there is an organization who is really behind a certain cause, 
and they want to hire another organization, a company research uh, facility to do some research on this cause and they're going to give them $5 million to do it or whatever. Do you think that research company is going to come back to them? The report say, no, you're, you're totally wrong. You're wrong about your beliefs. This is not a problem at all. We're just fine. No, that research company is going to come back and say, well, you were right. In fact, it's probably worse than you thought. And here's a pretty graphs with all these colors. And, and so I think that what happens is most doctors, they, they do know this. But the ones who get the spotlight, uh, I, I think they can be whispered like, okay, you know what the narrative is supposed to be, so we want you to conclude this and use graphs that will support that. And you can wow. get numbers to support anything. Wow. And so unfortunately, I think some of these experts are sharing things that they they know better about. The majority know what the truth is, but the majority don't get to speak. Wow. I think you are correct in your speculation, Jay. Um, we're, we're seeing, and, and I do want to just mention a couple facts about COVID-19 that, that we have, um, the lethality of it. Um, it's on average about 0.2%, which is really within the range of a severe flu, a severe influenza. Uh, it's about 20 times lower than originally assumed by the World Health Organization. And that was when we said, all right, for two weeks or for a couple weeks, let's just shut down everything and be safe and take these extreme measures for a couple weeks. But that was, I think that was like March 16 or March 18 or something like that, <laughs> if I remember right. So now we're learning more as we go. And as you said, they have numbers that could back anything up. If you take numbers from New York, you're going to get one result. If you take numbers from nursing homes and the elderly, you're going to get another result. If you look over at Sweden, you'll get a different result than China. Um, up to 80% of all test positive persons remain symptom free, and which is fascinating to me. Here's one thing I wanted to ask you, Jay. How can people be asymptomatic and test positive for a virus they've never had before? Well, I can't give you as many details as I'd like because that's something that I haven't researched myself other than you can have parents who can be a carrier of a certain gene or a certain trait, hmm. but it doesn't um, show itself in their own body because it's not being used it's not being read by their dna but it's it, there they're carrying that trait when they have children they can pass that gene on the dad can pass the gene on and maybe the mom doesn't now the child has one of those genes um, if the child uses the gene from the mom it's fine if it uses the gene from the dad it's going to get expressed and you will see the results of that that negative gene whatever it is the problems in it in that child so the the parent in this case both maybe mom and dad were carriers but only the dad passed it on um, so it doesn't get expressed so i think the same thing here with you can have this um, virus in you but it's either not getting expressed the way it normally would or your system has uh, fought it well enough where you don't even realize it was there it fought it and it was it was a done deal you didn't even know that was going on so i think that's primarily how okay. it's happening What's interesting um, also is how this affects different people depending on how old you are. And it's been so sad to see what's been happening in certain states in nursing homes and the wrong decisions that leaders have made. Um, and I think 
Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey, 52% of the COVID-19 deaths have been in nursing homes. That's tragic to me. And in most Western countries, um, recent figures say about 60% of all extra deaths have occurred in nursing homes. So it, it's really sad. Jay, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to share about, we've only got two minutes before we've got to take another break, but about how how we might be able to better protect the elderly and those in nursing homes, those with vulnerable immune systems. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, a, a couple of things. One is they're already in a very, very vulnerable position. I've been in enough of those. My mother-in-law was in a nursing home and just to see the conditions, it was mm. kind of scary. And now you add COVID on that. It's just, it's a ticking time bomb to mm. begin with. One thing that would help is, and it's interesting, it ties into so many other things, you know, where we shut down so many things that could be open and should be open, but what they leave open is the bus system. I mean, that's one of the biggest causes of mm. spread in New York was subway and the bus system. So here in Wisconsin, we shut, you know, all these other businesses down, killing, you know, business and affecting the lives of millions and they leave the bus system open. Well, who's riding the bus? Well, a lot of people who are lower income and also a lot of the aides who work in these nursing homes are mm. riding the buses. And so they're probably contracting it from others being around them and now bringing it into the nursing home. Wow. That's something that I think um, I've, the research will come out, God willing, when someone, you know, tries to get a handle on all this and knows for future epidemics, pandemics, we will ha kind of have a better idea. Public transportation is one of the most simple things to think about, but yet they didn't think about it. And they're closing down little mom and pop shops who, who bear some of these small businesses, Jay, they barely get five to 10 people at a time, you know, but they have to, they had to close down. So just some things I keep praying, uh, Christian friends, uh, keep praying for wisdom for our leaders and that they would be convicted to do the right thing instead of whatever, if they're, and especially if they're doing anything for political purposes. Shame on them. Um, Jay, we've got to take another break. A lot more to get to on viruses and uh, how we can move forward and understand what's going on and how to approach this for the next segment coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Did God create viruses, and how do we slow or stop the spread of viruses in this day and age? Our guest is Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project. Jay, off air, we, we had a discussion, and, um, you know, sometimes you want people to hear what we talk about, sometimes you don't, but <laughs> we were talking about um, just some common sense things that some of our leaders are just not doing or seeing, and it, it's a result of sin. They're not necessarily evil people, but they're, they're not able to understand what the, God has not given them understanding. They're influenced um, by the enemy. But here's what we're talking about. The election we had in Wisconsin, I don't know when it was, uh, in, was it in early, mid-March mid or early April? Anyway, there was not, after that election, they, there was not a spike in coronavirus cases when they were all screaming, oh no, they're going to spread the disease by holding this public election. And what some of the governors did or mayors they shut down certain voting places polling places and made it worse packed for the other places that still were open so they were more crowded and still 
the coronavirus didn't spread. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. To me, it's common sense, but some aren't seeing it. Yeah, it's a contradiction of logic. You know, they were saying, oh, we really need to do something about the election coming up. It's not safe. We should just have mail-in ballots. Well, we know that a fraud, it's a lot easier to have fraud if there are mail-in ballots. Now, again, we're not talking conspiracy theories. We're just thinking through this logically. Uh, to have mail-in ballots, there could be more of a manipulation of the results. And then they said, we're going to close down some of the polling stations because we, we were concerned about the spread of this virus. But that makes no sense. If you close a lot of them down, there are fewer places you can go to vote. That means those places are going to be much more crowded. It makes sense to keep them all open. In fact, it would have made sense to have extra ones so that you don't have as many people. Right. Um, you know, the same thing with them um, closing a lot of all these small businesses down, which are putting a lot of them out of business and that they'll never recover. And yet you keep the bus system open. Well, that's been one of the biggest factors in New York is the bus system and subway is that the spread of that virus can be traced back to that very thing. Mm. And so now here we have in Wisconsin closing down businesses, but keeping the bus systems open again, who's riding the buses generally lower income people. A lot of the aides who work in nursing homes, they they're given their lives to help the elderly and the infirm. They're not making a whole lot of money on that. And they're often riding the buses. Well, the, these, Virus can get spread so much easier on the buses and they're taking them in the nursing home and we're seeing so many people dying in the nursing homes because they're not handling this properly. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Jay, is um, we have read in the Old Testament where God had allowed or, or even sent uh, plagues or pestilences. It's, it's, of course, a prophetic sign in Matthew 24 I believe what Jesus talks about that. Then there will be wars, rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes, famines, pestilences, or Luke uh, 21, I think. But um, so could this be part of um, God's orchestration? Meaning he may not cause this, but because we have not turned back to him as a nation or as even a church, that he is allowing this to happen to bring people to him as maybe one of his judgments that's occurring in this world right now. What are your thoughts from that biblical perspective? Well, there's a huge connection there. And a lot of times, as soon as you start talking about it, people think, oh, more conspiracy, end of the world, end times. But again, <laughs> but let's is. just look at, yeah, <laughs> well, let's look at this logically. The Bible tells us how everything began with creation. It talks about how it got corrupted. It talks about what God's plan was after that. He was going to send his own son to die on a cross. So you go through the Old Testament, Jesus arrives, and then the church starts after that. And guess what? There's also a plan for the second coming of Christ and end times that the Bible is very specific about. So you got two things going on here. You got that the end time scenario that's described in Matthew, you're right, Matthew 24 and Luke. Um, You've got that, so we know what that's going to kind of look like. And then you also got throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, of God's judgment on sin. So if God judged these, you know, pagan worshipers and homosexual homosexuality in the Old Testament and um, offering their children in the fires of Baal and things like that, if God judged those types of actions and rebellion against him, why wouldn't he have any kind of judgment today, especially like in our country where we Roe versus Wade and we've had millions and millions of abortions since then. We're killing our own kids. We're doing it a different way than mm -hmm. they used to, but we're still killing them. Right. 
So, and, and homosexual marriage and all these things, is God supposed to just say, no, that's okay now. No, we should expect that we're going to see some judgment. And then when we see what's actually happening with, you know, whether they call it earthquakes and, and wars and famines and things, those have always been going on. And you can look at the statistics. Sometimes it seems like they increase. Sometimes they're not necessarily increasing. But here's the point. They are happening. The Bible says it's going to get much worse. So when we see things like this happening, we don't have to say the end times have started. The tribulation has started. I don't think there's evidence that the actual tribulation has started. But these are the types of things that we are going to be seeing. So it's going to ease us into it. And very quickly, without getting into any conspiracy theories, they're already <laughs> talking about a vaccine for the virus. Yikes. And one thing that they could do with a vaccine is when you get it, they could put a chip in you that has a record. Now you've received that vaccine with your other medical records. Mm -hmm. So now when you go somewhere, they could scan that and they could see which vaccines you've had. You know what? Technologically, that makes a lot of sense. That could be very, very helpful. Well, the Bible describes a time when people would be receiving a mark and swearing their allegiance to this one world leader. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad thing. Is this new vaccine that? I know. I don't think so. I think it's a precursor to get us used to things like that. So it's no big deal. So that when the next one comes on the scene, they're saying, hey, here's a different updated mark. But you're also swearing your allegiance to this world leader who's helping us out so much. That's when it's very biblical and very bad and you, you shouldn't be taking that one. So what we're seeing now, I think, is a precursor to all these things. Uh, great word. Precursor. Great word to understand in these times that we're living in. We are in the last days in the church age, and Revelation 13, I believe, is, is where it talks about the mark um, on, on your right hand or in... Yeah, I'm not sure if it says on or in. Different translations may interchange those words. I think the Greek is really refers to in. In. In your right hand. What about the forehead? In the forehead. I think, wow. yeah, it's, it's more like an embedding, which is what the technology we have today would be. It would be an embedding. You wouldn't be seeing, hey, nice tattoo you got on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now they can do an infrared mark, yes. right? So that's yeah. it could be on your forehead. No one can see it unless they wave the magic uh, reader on there. Hey, I just want to uh, point people. We did, Jay. We talked about this in this uh, this the, the viruses and the COVID-19 and everything that's happening, our reaction to it, some of the mistakes that have been made by uh, some of our uh, local leaders. But uh, Colossians chapter 1, referring to Jesus, the image of the invisible God, it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been, been created through him and for him. And then it takes it another step. It says he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. And it says, I believe, Psalm fifty-five twenty-two: Cast your burdens or your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Jay, your, your, just your final thoughts. I know how your article ends, um, talking about God being on the throne, but I just your final thoughts and encouragement to people because we're going to be dealing with this for a while. Yeah, it's not going away, and we've talked about a lot of things that could get us depressed and, and frustrated. <laughs> it's a natural human reaction. I I have it too, but ultimately, this is what I see. What better opportunity do we have than this is? 
just quick comparison, and I think I said it in my article, if, if there was a tornado that went through Kansas or a hurricane and went through the Caribbean or whatever, you're like, oh, that would be kind of rough to do that, uh, but it doesn't affect you, and eventually the people it did affect, they they get through it, and then they're okay, life goes on. But this is something that's affecting everybody. Everyone is experiencing this. So what better time to say, hey, what do you think of all this craziness around us, and get them to you know open up and share a few things, and then you could ease in saying, yeah, this is interesting, because you know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about what we're seeing. I was like, what are you talking about? And you could start to interject some of these things just very casually and calmly, and you, in a sense, you bait them, like, well, what else does it say? What does it say is going to happen next? I mean, is there a solution? It's like, well, I'm glad you asked. And you can get into sharing the only hope that anyone really has, and that is Jesus Christ. So we can get wrapped up in all the statistics, and there's a lot of things we didn't even get to, and it's probably good that we didn't mm-hmm. because those are more of the negative things. The positive thing we need to end on is independent of whatever happens with the virus, whether it goes away totally, which it won't, or if it or if it gets worse and worse and worse. Either way, that does not change what God wants us to do. He wants us to be evangelizing and making disciples, and there's mm. no reason we should stop that. In fact, it's probably a better time now than ever to do so. Um, Jay, one more thing. We've got a couple minutes left. Um, some of us are just as busy as ever um, during this time, and it, our lifestyles or work have not been affected. Others, uh, whether they've been laid off or they're working from home, they have a lot more time on their hands. Could you give advice to some who are tempted to use entertainment, online, distractions, because maybe they're bored. I don't even know what the meaning of boredom. I haven't for 35 years. But could you share some thoughts on just those who have some downtime, what we can be doing instead of twiddling our thumbs and just hoping we get back to normal? Yeah, I mean, God uses tragedies. You know, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose in Romans 8. Um, So, this time's been a, actually a blessing to me. It's yeah, it's not my choice, but I'm getting so much done that I could never have gotten done <laughs> before because I have the time, including spending more time with my wife and interacting with our kids. Kids are both got married last year, but spending time, significant time with them, talking with them, even going out, you know, hiking and things like that. But Take advantage of this because we will get back to work again. You'll be going to the office or wherever people go, and you'll get super busy again. So take advantage of the small window that God has given you to do something you could not have otherwise. Mm. Amen, brother. And by the way, I want to encourage people to go check out your website, check out your books, thestartingpointproject.com. Almost every guest we've had on in the last couple months, I would say 80% of our guests, their schedule has changed. Their speakers they're authors. They uh, go to events. They speak. They sell books. You have not been able to do that, and many of our guests haven't. So I just want to direct people to your website, thestartingpointproject.com. Yeah, real quick, we just added a resource temporarily here. If they go to that website and click on resources at the top, in the drop-down, they'll see COVID-19. It's an interview that the vice president of our board did, Dr. Scott Harden. Hmm. Uh, he was chief of staff at Aurora St. Luke's. He's been at Aurora St. Luke's for 23 years. Um, but he did a uh, fairly lengthy interview where he talks about a lot of these things and more statistics and things. It was very, very well done. So if the listeners want more information, go to the Starting Point project.com click on resources and then COVID 19 sounds good jay thank you so much for uh, just sharing your thoughts your wisdom and of course your speculation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we appreciate you being with us on stand up for the truth brother 
Great to be on the program again. We'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Jay Siegert, Starting Point Project. When we come back, tell you about our guests the rest of this week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. By the way, guys, thank you for knocking out of the park. Uh, two of our podcasts from last week already have become the top two podcasts of 2020 for Stand Up For The Truth. That was Gary Kaw last Monday and uh, Heidi St. John on last Friday. So thank you guys for sharing those. They're uh, numbers are do- doing uh, just extremely well. Um, tomorrow, uh, you're going to hear from Laura Perry, former transgender. Thought we were going to have that program last week, but we decided on Israel Wayne to talk about the homeschooling and history of education. Uh, and then Thursday, Heather Weininger from Wisconsin Right to Life, followed by Julian Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. Uh, both of them in, uh, in the program Thursday, then uh, Friday's podcast with Dr. Andy Woods. If you have not seen his pastor's point of view on YouTube and on his Facebook page, look up Dr. Andy Woods. We'll have him back on Friday, and uh, we're just so looking forward to having him back. And we are going to be uh, digging into the God's Word and, and a lot of things that he shares on these some of these uh, pastor's perspectives. It's just amazing, the updates and the insights, and he does talk a lot about Bible prophecy, about revelation and things that are happening regarding to regarding coronavirus and COVID-19. So thank you guys so much uh, just for sharing the podcast as always. We appreciate you tuning in. And um, of course, we had a fundraiser a couple weeks ago. We are still wanting to raise money for the last two months of this year. And so if you want to pledge your support or make a donation, please go to standardforthetruth.com or you can go to q90fm.com. And pledge online safe and secure. And you can call. Give us a holler. I'll give you the 800 number. You can talk to Katie. Um, But thank you for your support, your prayers, and your encouragement. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.